Good morning, everybody. Today's reading is from Acts 19, verse 23 to 41, the riot in Ephesus. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them together, along with the workmen in related trades, and said, Men, you know we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and practically in the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. There is danger. Not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is the Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's travelling companions from Macedonia, and rushed as one man into the theatre. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theatre. The assembly was in a confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison, for about two hours, great is the Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quietened the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If, then, Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. Hello. If you don't know me, my name's John. If you do know me, my name's still John, and I'm on the staff team at St. Mike's. At least I am for another couple of weeks, at which point my wife, Grace, and I will be relocating to the West Midlands to start our next adventure. But I'm so glad to be able to talk to you today. It's a real privilege. And 
to look at God's word together. Before we dive into the passage, I just want to pray for us as we go forward. So Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement it is to us that we can live our lives reading it and being nourished by it. And I thank you for the challenge it is that it shows us areas of our life where we need to grow, where we need to change. And I pray that as we look at it today, we will be encouraged and we will be challenged and that we'll bear fruit as a result of it for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus name. Amen. So let's recap what we read last week. We heard about Paul arriving in Ephesus and teaching people about Jesus, as he has done in many places that we've seen in the book of Acts. After facing resistance from some in the synagogue, though, Paul began to teach in different places. After Paul had been in Ephesus for two years, we heard that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia had heard the word of the Lord. There were also many miracles and the name of Jesus was being held in high honour. Those who practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. The value of these scrolls added up to 50,000 drachmas, which one drachma was about a day's wage. So that's, that's a lot of money and they just burned it because they were dedicated to following Jesus. So today, here we find ourselves in today's passage. Demetrius, the silversmith, and what a barrel of laughs he is, brings together a group of craftsmen and workmen and points out that this whole turning away from idols and paganism isn't really so good for their business. They'd be better off in terms of, you know, their trade if they kept going with the old ways instead of following the way, instead of following Jesus. Well, in this passage, it's quite unusual. We don't actually hear Paul sharing the gospel. But what we do hear is from Demetrius. He gives us a taste of what Paul's been saying. And that is, Paul says that God's made by human hands and no gods at all. When Demetrius points out that this will discredit the goddess Artemis, who they made with their hands, by the way, they begin rioting and the whole city ends up in uproar. The people grab a couple of Paul's friends and other followers of Jesus have to stop Paul from going to address the mob himself. We see that most of the people there shouting and joining in didn't even know why they were there. I suppose maybe they were saw the crowd and they thought, let's jump in with what we want to say. So they jumped in to the, go to the speaking place and they told them all about how the rubbish isn't collected as often as it used to be and the potholes in the roads are never fixed. I don't know, that's just some thoughts. They could have been saying anything, they didn't know why they were there. Um, but uh, I suppose um, that, that whatever it was, you know, we see people jump on the bandwagon with different things at different times. Um, but finally, the city clerk quietens the crowds, reassuring them of Artemis's place in their society, informing them of the way to, to press charges, should they wish to do so, against these two friends of Paul, and warning them of what the potential consequences of their rioting could be to them and to all present. He then dismissed the assembly. 
But looking at it, I believe the, the rioting was kind of spurred on by them taking offence at three different things. These three things, as I see it, were the first thing was that there was an offence to their religious beliefs. That in Paul preaching against these gods made by human hands, he was preaching against Artemis. And that challenged their religious beliefs. The second offence is the threat that was posed to the identity and the status of the city of Ephesus itself. We see that um, Ephesus was the home of Artemis. The clerk says that Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of Artemis and her image, which fell from heaven, as they believed. So in challenging in this way, that's a threat to the identity and the status of the city. The third offence was the threat to their livelihoods. You've got all these tradesmen, craftsmen, workmen, who uh, their livelihoods are based on making um, different things related to Artemis, different things with pagan backgrounds and with idolatry at the heart of them. So I want to look at each of these offences and offer an encouragement and a challenge as we think about them. So the first offence was the challenge to their religious beliefs. As followers of Jesus, we can have confidence in our God. We can be confident of his love, that he never changes, that he's the same yesterday, today and forever. We can be confident that what he says is true. What we read in the Bible is true. And we can be confident in him for our salvation. In John 14 verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not only is it through Jesus that we can have salvation, but it is only through Jesus that we can have salvation. This leads to my first challenge. When we speak to people of other faiths or of no faith about Jesus, do we shy away from declaring Jesus as the only way that we can come to God and be saved? I remember just over five years ago, it shortly before Grace and I got married, and I was moving out of the house that I was living in, in Sheffield, and I was getting the last of my stuff. Some of it had already gone, but the last of it, and I was taking it um, on a train from Sheffield to Derby, and then it was going to go from Grace's parents' house in Derby up to the northeast when we moved up there. And so... I got all the last of my stuff, so I was pretty heavy laden with it all. And I went to a friend's house where I needed to also pick up a cajon to take with me. And by the time I got to my friend's house with all my stuff, I was just exhausted. And then adding the cajon to the pile as well, I decided I need to get a taxi to the train station. I can't walk the, I think it was about two miles um, to the train station from his house. So I, I ordered a taxi, got all my stuff in the taxi and the driver asked me, what, what are you doing? Why are you moving all of this stuff um, to the train station? I said, well, I'm, I'm moving um, up to the northeast of England. He said, oh, why are you doing that? And I said, well, I'm going to be part of planting a church there. And then he proceeded to tell me how his religion and Christianity really believed the same thing. Now, you might think this is a perfect opportunity to say to him, well, actually, and then to share the gospel with him. I was tired from carrying all of my stuff. 
And I just, I wanted a quiet life. So I just kind of sat in the back of the taxi, didn't say anything, listened and then got out at the train station. Now, it can be easy not to speak up about what we believe, whether it's for that quiet life, as I said, or maybe from a sense of wanting to be nice and not cause offence. While there's no point in beating ourselves up about missed opportunities in the past, we just need to reflect and learn and grow from those things and not not let them get to us, but, but to just take what we can from them. But we need to know that the most loving thing that we can do is to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to God, who is love. So our second offence was the threat to their status or identity as the city of Ephesus. It had a large part of its identity wrapped up in being the guardians of the temple of Artemis. As Paul said, God's made by human hands and no gods at all. By finding their identity in Artemis, they were putting something utterly powerless at the centre of their lives. When we put Jesus at the centre of our lives and fully put our trust in him, we become children of God. That's where we find our identity. So here's the next challenge. is to keep Jesus at the centre of our lives. Not to get distracted by various idols that might creep in. Sometimes we can make idols out of things that aren't bad in and of themselves, um, but are bad when we put them in the wrong place, if we allow them into the wrong place in our hearts or put them in the wrong place in our lives. Some examples of this could be food. We need it to live, but we can have uh, an unhealthy relationship with food as well. Could be sports. Sports is fantastic. Are in fact, uh, sports are fantastic to enjoy, but... You know, you see um, sports stadiums almost like worship gatherings sometimes to to what's going on on the pitch or on the field. Um, Or it could be people in our lives that become like idols. We need to be careful that those things that are good don't turn and have a negative impact on our lives. In the church even, sometimes it's as though idols are made maybe of our buildings or of maybe if there's an engaging speaker or leader, they can become like an idol. It could be organs, it could be guitars and drums, it could even be hymns or worship songs. These things that are generally fantastic things for us to help deepen our relationship with God, sometimes when we put these things in the wrong place and and maybe build our faith around those things, they can have the opposite effect that they're supposed to. And sometimes, of course, we make idols of sinful things. And so we have in Wales at the moment a situation where all the bishops are pushing to approve blessings of same-sex marriages in the meeting of the governing body in just over a week's time. Let's build our identity on Christ, staying faithful to God through being obedient to his word and putting him alone at the centre of our lives. The third offence was the threat to their livelihoods. There are some preachers who preach health and wealth. That is, if you follow God, you'll be rich, never ill, that everyone will like you, and that you'll become better looking. 
This certainly hasn't been my experience and wasn't what Jesus told us to expect. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Christian life is not always easy, and Jesus never said it would be. In fact, quite the opposite. But we live our lives through good times and hard times, in the knowledge that God, who made the universe, goes before us, will be with us, will never leave or forsake us. He's not a distant God. He's the God who walked in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. And of course, Jesus came to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. Though mankind sinned again and again and deserved death because of how wicked sin is, he took on flesh and dwelt among us. He did not abandon us to sin, but instead God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took our place on the cross paying the penalty that we deserved in our place. Having died and risen again, he sends the Holy Spirit to indwell each believer, to equip us for living our lives as followers of Christ. And one day we will see him face to face. We will know even as we are known, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The challenge in the meantime is to take up our cross and follow him. So let's learn from Paul. Let's not be afraid of speaking about Jesus, but lovingly and generously share him with those that we come across. Let's put aside anything that might come between us and God and instead be sure to keep him at the centre of our lives. Let's not shy away from laying down our lives, our wants, our energy and our resources for Jesus and instead give everything to follow him, no matter what the cost. Because we are assured of his eternal love and eternal life with him. As I was thinking about this talk, a song came to mind, which we're going to sing now. Feel free to sing along or use the words as a prayer, but let's use this time to refocus our lives on him. I'll pray for us, then let's worship together. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your unfailing, sacrificial love for us. Please send your Holy Spirit upon us to help us display the same unfailing, sacrificial love for you and for every person who we interact with. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.